Good morning, everyone. Time to begin our worship service again, and I'd like to welcome everyone here this morning, especially if you're visiting with us. We're certainly glad to have you as our guest, and invite you back this evening at 6 p.m. We want to certainly be mindful of those who aren't able to uh, to be with us and are shut-ins and always keep them in our prayers. And I noticed on the bulletin there's a little section that talked about phone calls, what a difference they make. And so if you have a chance, give someone a call this week, and uh, I know it'll brighten up their day for a little while anyway. Hard to believe it's the last Sunday in August. Uh, fall is right on us, and uh, most of all of our kids are back to school now, college, high school, grade school, preschool, whatever it may be, and uh, we just want to keep them in our prayers and in uh, their families. I just thought this morning we'd like to, we're going to try to organize some type of work party around here the next few weeks when it turns maybe just a little cooler. There's a lot of things that needs to be done. We haven't had our spring cleaning uh, actually for two years now, if you go back to, to 20. And uh, there's just a lot of stuff that needs to be done. So we'll, we're going to be looking into what we can do. And I just wanted to throw that out at you this morning. Also, uh, Waverly, Tennessee, Chris's hometown, we want to keep continued pray for that town and, and the uh, congregation here sent some money down there and, and we send it to the, uh, the Church of Christ down there in that town. So we want to keep them in our prayers. Also, uh, let's remember what's going on over in Afghanistan. Uh, pray for the people over there. And also uh, Hurricane Ida coming in and getting ready to slam New Orleans and down in that area. Let's just uh, pray for those people. Also remember uh, Chris French and his family, his mom, uh, the passing of his stepfather, uh, Wayne Townsend. Pray for that family. Chris will be traveling down uh, this week for a few days and pray for their safety and everything. Keep all of our sick in, in our prayers, and uh, it's good to see Alan Payne uh, back out with us today. Alan is at a time, but uh, we're glad that he's doing better. Also to hear that uh, Marvin uh, McAllister's sister is doing better. Maybe come home tomorrow. Jerry gave me a note that uh, Friday's uh, Simpson sister has improved. And also, Hilda's brother, Carol Bragg, is, is in St. Mary's, and uh, he's not doing very well. So we want to keep him in our prayers. So as we begin our worship service this morning, I'd like to read uh, a few verses from Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. And it says, Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up your treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Bow with me, please. 
Father, we thank you for another beautiful morning you've given us. Father, we're thankful that uh, we have the strength to, to be here, Father, and, and we're mindful of those uh, who can't be. And, and we pray, Father, that uh, you'll help us to always to, uh, to remember them and, and to do what we can, Father, to uh, be in contact and, and let them know, Father, that they're on our minds and on our hearts. Father, we, we do come to you this morning uh, praying for our uh, service people. We pray for the people in Afghanistan who are, are over there, Father, and, and what they are facing and will be facing the next few days. And, and we just pray, Father, that uh, some kind of peace uh, can happen there and, and uh, everyone, uh, Father, that can return safe, that... Uh, that you'll be with that situation. And we pray for the families that have lost loved ones. And, and Father, and for the storm that's about to hit uh, down around Louisiana, we just pray, Father, that the people there will be smart and, and, uh, and that they will seek uh, shelter and, and you'll bless that situation. Father, we are thankful uh, for those who are doing better. Those mentioned here this morning, we're, and we're thankful that Alan's able to be back with us. And, uh, and Father, we uh, just thank you for all that we have and for all of our blessings. Father, we pray for the French family that, that you'll be with them and, and uh, bless his mom and, and his family and comfort them. And, and Father, just be with all those who are in need and those who are battling cancer and, and COVID and, and whatever the situation is, Father. We pray that you'll be with us this morning now as, as we enter into our worship service, help to uh, uh, remove everything from our minds, Father, and, and focus on the, on the word which will be being taught. Thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's all please stand. We'll sing hymn number 19, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name. <clears throat> Hymn number 19, we'll sing the first three verses. <clears throat> All hail the power of Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown. Seed of Israel's race, ye ransom from the fall. Hail him who saved you by his grace and crown him Lord of all. Hail him who saved you by his grace and crown him Lord. And cry. 
Next hymn this morning, number 238, 238, holy, holy, holy. <clears throat> Sing the first three verses of that, and then Brother Sawyer Stevens will lead us in prayer. Holy, holy, holy. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, thank you for this day that you've given to us today to come together and worship you and fellowship. Please be with all of those who are sick and who are injured, and please help them to be restored to their full health. Please be with those who are suffering from natural disasters and who are expecting Uh, the hurricane coming through Louisiana and uh, thank you again for letting us all be here today and let us all uh, travel home safely this afternoon and in Jesus name we pray amen hymn number 217 he loves me 217 
Why did the Savior heavenly and come to earth below? When then His grace would not receive, because He loves me so. He loves me, He loves me, He loves me, this I know. He gave Himself to die for me, because He loves me so. Why did the Savior mark the way and why temptation know? Why teach and pull and plead and pray because He loves me so? He loves me, He loves me, He loves me, this I to die for me because he loves me so. Why feel the garden's dreadful cross? Why through his trials go? Why suffer death upon the cross because he loves me so? He loves me, he loves me, he loves me, this I know. He gave himself to die for me, because he loves me so. As we gather around the Lord's Supper, I'd like to start by reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on that night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. To proclaim. To proclaim is to make a public announcement to declare to others what we consider important. Communion is not a loud or noisy event, but we proclaim quietly, confidently, and joyfully to God, to each other, and to the world. During this supper, we are silencing the voices of our culture that try to distract us and proclaim something more important, the death of Jesus. What are we proclaiming about his death? In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. This passage tells us three things about our Savior's sacrifice. First is the purpose. Jesus bore our sins in his body on that tree. He received the entire punishment we deserved for the sins that we have committed. Secondly, our participation in his death. He died so that we might die to sin and live righteously. We, we proclaim that we've forsaken the pleasures of sin and find joy 
and loving God. And finally, we proclaim the power of Jesus. By his wounds, we are healed. Jesus has reconciled to us, us to our God through the new covenant and secured, that was secured with his blood. And this is what we proclaim as we prepare to take this bread and drink this cup together. Would you bow me, please? Father in heaven, we're thankful for this day, Father, and we're thankful for this opportunity we have to partake of this Lord's Supper, Father. We pray that you would bless us as we partake of the bread, which represents the body that Christ shed for us. And it's through his name that we pray. Amen. Again, as we partake of the fruit of the vine. Father in heaven, we're thankful for this, this Lord's Supper that you've granted us the opportunity to partake of. Father, we pray that you would be with us as we partake of this fruit of the vine, which represents the blood that Christ shed on the cross for us so willingly, Father. And it's through his name we pray. Amen. That concludes the Lord's Supper. Uh, at this time, we usually uh, take up a collection uh, due to some of the restrictions we have now. We have now placed two, uh, for lack of a better term, containers in the back. Uh, you can put your contribution in as you uh, exit the building this, this, evening, or this, after, or this morning. Excuse me. Uh, would you pray with me, please, as we uh, bless that offering? Father in heaven, we're thankful for this day, Father, and we're thankful for this opportunity to to put back a, a portion of what you've given to us, Father. We pray that you would bless this money, bless the elders as they oversee it, Father, and it was used in a, to better your kingdom. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's all please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 222, He Will Pilot Me. So at this time, the young children, <coughs> young children may go to the children's Bible hour. Cannot see the way for life's tempestuous sea. I know that Jesus is my friend and that he'll pilot me. By his hand he'll pilot me over life's tempestuous sea. When my blinded eyes can see, can I see the way, the way? Come what may, let come what may, on my storm and stormy sea. My dear Lord, blessed Lord, 
may gather in the sky and rough the sea may be. His love shall ever be my soul. I know he'll pilot me. By his hand he'll pilot me over nice tempestuous sea. When my blinded eyes can't see, can I see the way, the way? Come what may, then come what may, on my dark and stormy sea. My dear Lord, blessed Lord, He will pilot, pilot me. Dear Lord, whatever the storm may be, I'll simply trust in Thee. Relying on Thy love so true to safely pilot me. By His hand He'll pilot me over life's tempestuous When my blinded eyes can see, can I see the way, the way? Come what may, then come what may, on life's dark and stormy sea. Please be seated. <clears throat> Invitation hymn for this morning, number 207. Number 207. Hark the gentle voice. This time, Brother Slaughter, have our scripture in. Uh, we'll be reading from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And I'm reading the English Standard Version. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Good morning. It's good to see each one of you with us this morning. I appreciate uh, all your thoughts and prayers and kind words you've, you've given us uh, since the, the flood that happened to our hometown and as well as in the passing of my, my stepdad. I appreciate all those thoughts. Um, this morning we are in Romans chapter 12. Before we get too deep into our study, though, I promised you a couple weeks ago I was going to announce what our next book study was going to be. I really enjoyed going through Mark with you. I hope you enjoyed it as well. And so I thought, well, let's do another one. So the next one we're going to do is starting in late September. It's the book of Hebrews. Uh, so that is a, an incredible book. It's going to make you fall back in love with Jesus if you're a little bit uh, uh, depressed, if you're a little bit farther away now than you were in the past, I think the book of Hebrews is going to give you a little shot of energy, a little shot of passion. So 
while I'm holding up these books, these little scripture journal books, uh, I would encourage you to buy these things. I think they're like $3.50. Get one for Hebrews. All it is is the... The biblical text on one side, and then it's a blank page on the other side for your, for your notes. Um, I find that I write too big to write in the margins of my Bible, or maybe the margins of my Bible are too small. So I like this whole, having this whole page. There's two of them. You get a pretty one and a plain black one, but the pretty one is for those artsy folks among us. Uh, you can kind of make drawings. It has room for drawings on this side without the lines. That's the basic difference, but... If you want to see one of those in person, I would love to let you look at one of mine. You can't have it. It's mine. Um, Because I love those things. Uh, So we're going to be in Romans chapter 12 today. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, be turning to Romans chapter 12. Uh, We are talking about our study this over the next couple of weeks. uh, will be these one another passages. Throughout scripture, uh, God tells us how we should treat one another. And in fact, I think there are about 70 one another passages in Scripture where he just kind of reviews how we should treat one another. And a lot of these are concerning the same uh, thought, the same actions, the same feelings we ought to have toward one another. And so today we're bringing one of these, two of these really, from the text in Romans chapter 12. Uh, we're going to start in... in uh, Romans 12, uh, 9 and 10. But the, the verse that was read for us today in Romans 12, 1 and 2 really pivots in the book of Romans. If you look there in verse 1, you'll see that Paul says, therefore. So you always have to ask yourself, I know it's corny, but it, it sticks with you. What's the therefore, therefore? And so why is Paul saying therefore? He, he's coming to a conclusion, isn't he? Uh, He's saying based on what he's just told you, there are some things that are true now. Things that you need to know, things that you need to be doing, things that you need to be aware of. And that's what he's doing here in Romans 12. And he's really going to do it Romans 12 through 15. And chapter 16 is his concluding remarks to this congregation that he's never met yet. But he's got a job for them because God has a job for them. Now he says, therefore, in Romans 12, 1, because of what he's just said in Romans 12, 1 through 11. Uh, the first part, the first half of Romans is really doctrinal. It's very deep. Uh, like I said, Paul has never met these Christians before. And he's never seen their faces, but he's heard of their faith. And so he writes this letter to encourage them. There's probably more than one church of Christ in Rome. Uh, there are probably multiple churches in this city. It's a massive city in New Age. For the first century, it is top of the line. It'd be like going to New York for us, I suppose. And so there are no doubt multiple congregations in this, in this city when Paul writes to them. But he wants to set the record straight, I guess. Uh, maybe this is something Paul would normally tell folks when he first meets them. Maybe this is his first thoughts. Uh, especially to this Roman audience, that you are justified. That's what the book of Romans is all about, justification. Now, that's a $10 word, isn't it? We don't use justification very much today. And so maybe the thoughts of, maybe that definition doesn't come straight away to your mind. So let's, let's talk about what he's talking about in Romans 1 through 11 when he says justified. Because that's really what the book is all about. It's just. Here's another corny thing for you. Just as if I'd never sinned. So Paul is saying, 
what would the world look like? What would your faith look like? What would your relationship with God look like if you had never sinned? You stop and think about it for a second. He says, that's kind of revolutionary, isn't it? The problem is, in Romans 3, we've all sinned. But Paul says, inside of Christ, you get a second start. You get a, you get a redo. And so he says, Christ, through the power of his blood and through our obedience to baptism, he washes away those sins and we get to start over. And it's just as if we had never sinned. <clears throat> and so... He, he talks about that idea for 11 chapters. And finally, when he gets to Romans 12, he's going to pivot. And he's going to give us some practical applications for how we should live and how we should function in the church because of what God has done through Christ for us. Because he's justified us. Because he's made it just as if we had never sinned. There are some things that we ought to do. Now, some translations here in Romans 12, 2 says that it's our reasonable service, right? Those are things that are logical. It just makes sense for us to live this kind of life in light of what God has done for us in Christ. So what are those, those things? Well, here in Romans 12, he gives you a lot of very practical things. The first said here, uh, I guess, comes in, in verse 3. Um, he's talking about <clears throat> how the church is one body, and, and but it's made up of several members. And he comes, he's going to come back to this thought in, in 1 Corinthians as well. And it's one of Paul's probably favorite ways to think about the church. Uh, but he says, you know, we all have different responsibilities because we have different abilities. God's gifted us with different things in the church. Each one of us has different gifts. Here he, he's probably talking miraculously, although some of these are not necessarily miraculous. But he says, God's gifted you with certain things that you're good at or certain things that you're interested in. And when we all work together for the glory of God, he produces fruit from those things. Uh, and so he says, don't look down on one another because you've got one ability and, and this guy has another ability. Don't, this guy doesn't get to look down on that guy and that guy doesn't get to judge this guy because he's less of a Christian because he doesn't have that particular, that particular gift. We're, we're all one inside of Christ. We all depend on each other. In uh, verse 9 is where we're headed, though. He says, let love be genuine. Let love be genuine. You know, Greek has several words for love. The, word he, the one he uses here is agape. And so what comes to your mind when you think of the word agape? That's, it's a Greek word, right? But it's a Greek word that most of us are familiar with because it's kind of made its way into our culture, especially in the church. But what, what comes to your mind when you think agape? Maybe no strings attached. It's the kind of love that just gives. And it doesn't expect anything in return. Man, that's hard, isn't it? Because in our culture, I think in every culture since the creation of man, we've wanted something back. Like we get into relationships so that we can get something back, right? Not this kind of love. Agape love functions differently than that. And so it, it's, just, it's a love that doesn't expect anything in return. No strings attached. It's an unselfish love, right? It's a love that puts others 
first. And Jesus would say it like this, you go the extra mile. Sometimes some of us don't even want to go the first mile, much less the second mile with somebody, right? Love bears with people. That's hard, isn't it? It's hard to love like that. It's kind of easy to love like, like we think of love sometimes, but when you go to God's definition of love and start looking at agape love, ooh, he sets a pretty high standard, doesn't he? That it's unselfish. That it, it, this, this isn't even a love where you even have to like the other person, right? When we think of love, it's almost a synonym for like. It's, it's like a stronger version of the word like. That's not true in Greek. For agape love, you don't even have to like the person, right? God had this for us while we were still sinners. He interceded on our behalf in this way. While we were spitting in his face, while we were being hateful toward him, he sacrificed himself so that we could have a relationship with him for our benefit, right? And so this type of love that Paul's talking about here to, the, to these Roman Christians, he says, let love be genuine. And they said, well, what kind of love, Paul? Just, just any kind of, no, no. Agape love. It's not a natural type of love, right? Let that sink in for a second. It's not a natural type of love. This is not something you came out of the womb knowing. You think about it, uh, when, does, when does this type of love kick in? Is it right after the terrible twos, right? When, you get, when your child turns three and they get into the terrific threes, that's when they start putting other people first, right? That's when they stop... Uh, they stop wanting and demanding their own needs, right? And they start giving to other people. No, <laughs> that's not been my experience. Maybe it's been yours. <clears throat> my children need to talk to your children. So, um, what about when it when it's when you hit puberty? Is that when it kicks in? What about when you're 25? What about when you first start your first job? What about when you're 35? When you're 60? Like when does this? When does this type of love kick in? It's not an age. It kicks in when it's been taught. This is not something that's natural. This agape love, this putting other people first, it's not a natural thing. It's something that we learn. It's something that we're taught. In Philippians 2, verse 3, Paul says um, that you count other people as more significant than yourselves. We talked a lot about that last week, that verse and that idea. We're coming back to that this week because these one another passages, they're caught up with that idea of putting other people first, right? Um, <laughs> I've got a cell phone and I took the case off of it because my, I had an OtterBox and my case, uh, the, the front of it, was getting all dusty and stuff, and it was so bad, the touchscreen had stopped working. <laughs> That's pretty bad, right? Kelly's like, have you ever, I thought I was just going to have to get a new phone, and Kelly was like, why don't, why don't you just take the case off and see if it works? I was like, great idea. And so I did, and it works perfectly fine. So uh, uh, the OtterBox is still sitting on my, on my uh, kitchen counter now, waiting for me to throw away, I suppose. But do you know how careful I've been with this thing since I brought it out of my OtterBox case? Those things are indestructible. I have tossed it up in the air. I'm not going to do it now because that's crazy. Uh, I would toss it up in the air. I would toss it on the couch. I would give it to the kids. I would, you know, you just kind of throw these things. Do you guys remember? 
you got some of y'all are old enough to remember like when f- phones first came out, like before otter boxes were a big deal, and we just had to carry it like this. You remember how you carried that thing? It's like this, like a baby, right? Like because you were so careful with it because I mean this is glass, and if you drop this thing, it's gonna break, right? So I've been so so ridiculously careful with this. Am I like I'm nervous now just holding it like this? Uh, been so careful. Like I, I watch where I'm at now. So like if you're on carpet, it might not shatter, but if you're on tile, it's done deal, right? So I try to be really, really careful with it now. I think God tells us that we need to be really, really careful with each other. As we interact with each other, we need to be really, really careful. We need to handle each other with kid gloves, right? That can be difficult with people that we're in constant contact with, and that we're, we're, we're always around, it can be tough to be careful with those kinds of people. Take this for example. If you've had a bad day at work, you come home, and your spouse asks you, so how did it go today? And what do you say? Well, let me tell you about my day. You know, <coughs> who are you really mad at? The person that messed up your day or cut you off or whatever. You're mad at them, but who you're taking out on? Your spouse, Right? Why? Because you can't take it out on that guy because you don't know him. <laughs> you're not comfortable around him, taking it out on him, but you're comfortable around your spouse. And so my point is, often, because of familiarity, we take out and are not careful with the people that were around an awful lot. We can't do that in the church. We need to be around each other a lot. We need to be in each other's lives. We need to have these tight, close-knit relationships that we struggle to make in 21st century America, don't we? Because we're so busy. But we need those tight-knit relationships. But when we get there, we need to make sure not to hurt each other by our carelessness. On your bulletin article this morning, I talked uh, a little bit about words and how we use them because I think that's something that we need to focus on uh, in this particular season of our lives. But that's something we need to think about as we deal and interact with people. What am I saying and how am I saying it? What am I doing? Am I being careful? Am I handling you with kid gloves or am I being pretty careless with you? I think Paul, I think God... Holy Spirit here, by inspiration, Paul says, let love be genuine. This agape love, it's a careful type of love. It's a sacrificial type of love. It's a love that puts you first, me second. Not only does he say you need to let love, let agape love rule the day, so to speak, but it needs to be genuine the word here is, is a really interesting word. It's been translated a couple different ways and in a couple different translations. Some translations, like my ESV here, calls it, translates it genuine. Some translations translate it sincere. But the word is really without hypocrisy. Let love be without hypocrisy. The word the word's a negative word. And some translations translate it into a positive term. But the word's negative, and so he says... Let agape love, this sacrificial love, this love that puts other people first, let that be without hypocrisy. Now, why in the world, how, Paul, could we possibly have this agape love, this sacrificial love? How could, how could that be hypocritical? 
It's a tough love to have, isn't it? Especially consistently. It's a tough love to, 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 to give to people who sometimes hurt you, who sometimes are careless themselves with their words and with their thoughts and with their actions, um, and you bear the brunt of that. It's sometimes difficult to give to folks who um, are, are inconsiderate, right? Um, and as we are in tight-knit relationships with each other, that stuff just comes out. And, and that's normal. Uh, and that's something that we struggle with. But it, it's normal. And so having this kind of sacrificial love for each other, the tendency for us would be to fake it. Because faking it is an awful lot easier than actually living it, isn't it? Now, you come in contact with that kind of idea with Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5, don't you? Did they have love for the church? Well, it looks like it, right? Um, They didn't have to sell this property that they sold, and they didn't have to take the proceeds and give it to the disciples. They did. But what they really wanted was the acclaim, was people to look at them and... This love, this sacrificial love, it's not, it was hypocritical for them. They were faking it. Maybe they felt a little bit of it, but not all of it, certainly. And that's a trap that's going to be very easy for us to fall into as well. If we try to love like this, and we have to try to love like this, right? This, this sacrificial love, this giving love, this putting other people first ahead of ourselves. Love, we, we have to love like that. So Paul realizes, the Holy Spirit realizes that that type of love is going to be very difficult for us to pursue and to have on a constant basis. And so he reminds us here, after all the stuff he said in Romans 1 through 11 about being justified just as if you'd never sinned, he says, make sure that that's without hypocrisy. Make sure it's the real deal. It's tough, isn't it? Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Those, those, those two uh, verb uh, are, are very strong. Abhor and hold fast. Very, very strong words here. So abhor what is evil. Purge the sin that's within us and within, uh, within, within us and hold fast. Don't let go to the things that are good. But he's even going to go beyond that as we come in contact with our one another passage for today. He's going to use a different word for love here. He uses three different words for love in this passage. Uh, let love in verse 9, the love he uses there is agape love, right? <clears throat> verse 10, he uses a different word. And it's the only time this word is ever used in all of Scripture. Isn't that a phenomenal Coming to us right here today for Romans 12, 10. He says, love one another with brotherly affection. That love one another is philostorgase. It's a, a family love. A family love. And so like, like you would love your children. That, that's how, that's, that's the love he's talking about here. The, the, the wellspring, the depth and the, the, the width of that love that we have for our children and our spouses and our, our parents and our grandparents, that kind of love. He says, that's what needs to be in the church. So he's, 
He's broadening even our horizons and deepening it even from agape. It's not just sacrificial. It's not just putting the other person first. There's also this idea that it's, it's family, right? Because that's what we've become through our baptism. We became the family of God, right? And so he says, this, 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 this family, we love like a family would. Even though we come from all different sectors of life, we're all different ages, we're all different demographics. It says all this has come into one. That's why in Ephesians 2, he is, Paul is so amazed by what God has done because he's taken so many people who are so different from each other that if you put these people in a room, they would have fought like cats and dogs had they not been inside of Christ. Once they got inside of Christ, they saw a common unity. And now they're family, right? And everything's changed. And so in Ephesians 2, God, uh, Paul praises God for, for this thing. But that's exactly what he's done in the church. He's taken people from all different sectors, all different walks of life, all different ideas, all different uh, personality types. Everybody's so different. And he's brought us all into one family. And he says, you need to love each other like that. It's really amazing. And then he says, love each other with brotherly affection. Had Paul just stopped here, his thoughts would have been conveyed well, right? Let love be genuine. Hold fast to what is good. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another. We got you, Paul. We're supposed to love each other, right? But that's not enough. He's going to go on. He's love each, other, love one another. This philostorges, this, this kind of love, this familial love. Love each other like that with what? Brotherly affection. It's a third word for love. So Paul's kind of pulling out all the stops in, in Romans 12 right here when he teaches us how to deal and interact with each other. He's removing all the barriers, no doubt, in his mind and now in our minds, how God would have us to treat each other. Philadelphia, it's the city of brotherly love, right? That's the word he uses for brotherly affection. It comes from this Greek word, Philadelphia. It means the way that you would treat a brother, right? How do you treat your brother? Man... Bible says he's your best friend. He's born for adversity, <laughs> but he's your best friend, right? That, that's what Paul's trying to get across to us, this familial love, this family type of love. That's how the church should function. That's what we should do. That's who we should be. That's how we should treat each other. And so when you start thinking about love one another, it's not just being careful, Right? Though we need to be a lot more careful with each other than we, than we are. We need to look out for each other, right? So we're careful with each other. There's also this, this depth that I'm not going to allow your personality or you're not going to allow my personality to offend you. You ever been in contact with somebody whose personality just kind of graded on you? That stuff doesn't happen in the church because we love each other. We're family. And we... We overlook those things. You got a, anybody got a crazy aunt or a crazy uncle? You overlook those things because you're family, right? That's what we do in the church. We overlook an awful lot of things 
because we're family and we're just trying to help each other get along in this life to be more righteous tomorrow than we were today, right? The interesting thing he does here, he gives us another one another passage. It's not just love one another, not, not just with this, this familial love that he's built up uh, so, so big in our heads here. But he also says outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another. I think what Paul's trying to get across to us here is that earlier he said we need to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. We need to be paying attention to how each one of us is feeling, what each one of us is going through, um, as well as the achievements each one of us has had. Right, And so when we see someone doing something, living righteously, when we see them have, having accomplished a new spiritual depth, when we see them doing something biblically good, not just that they're, they became a good at this particular thing, but that they're making spiritual steps in the right direction. He says we outdo one another. In showing honor, we brag on that person, right? We say, look what you're doing. There's encouragement there, right? The word he uses here for, out, uh, for, uh, for showing, when he says showing honor, the word showing is kind of interesting too. He's literally saying you're a trail guide. And you lead the way and you show everyone else where to go, right? And the word there, it, 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 you're, you're the leader. You're the one that's, that's showing people how to get there. And so that's what we do for one another. We outdo one another in showing honor. We love each other. We love one another. Those two concepts are called up together, aren't they? Because if I love you, what am I doing? I'm going to honor you. If you love me, what are you going to do? You're going to honor me. We outdo one another. It's almost like a competition here. And so we outdo one another in showing honor. The rest of Romans 12 uh, is just power-packed with opportunity after opportunity to show that you have been justified. Let me read it for you, just a couple of these verses. In verse 11, he says, Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. He's just kind of giving you everything that's on his mind, you know. These, these several of these sentences, like through verse 15, these are just kind of disconnected thoughts that seem to pop into Paul's mind as he writes through Romans 12. Uh, it's almost like he's thinking about how you should act since you've been justified. And these, these phrases pop into his mind uh, via the Holy Spirit. And so he, he writes them down and he gives them to the churches. This is how you should act because you've been justified. This, this words he used for, he uses in verse 11 that were interesting. Don't be slothful in zeal. He's kind of saying hurry up to your passion. Hurry up uh, to, to, you, to your zeal. Uh, it's, it's very interesting there. Be fervent in spirit. It's boiling over. Um, your, your zeal, your passion for the Lord is boiling over. 
And so this morning, maybe, maybe you're struggling. Maybe you just need a family. That's what this congregation is. We're family. And we hurt with each other. We rejoice with each other. We try to love each other. And we outdo one another in, in showing honor. And so maybe that's what you're looking for. God's family is the best family. Amen. God's family is the best family. It's the only one where you find redemption and salvation, but it's also the only one where you can find belonging. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where, you, where you're from or what's, who you've been in this place, you find belonging because God's made us a family. He's made us one. Incidentally, the amazing thing about this is getting into his family, you have to be washed from your sins because you can't be a part of something that is unrighteous. And so he washes away your sins through the power of baptism. As you obey him in baptism, he washes away your sins and you become his child. It's a phenomenal promise that he offers to everyone. If you are subject to the invitation this morning, why don't you come as we stand and sing? Hark, the gentle voice of Jesus, fall tenderly upon your ear. Sweet his cry of love and pity, calleth, turn and then such stay and hear. Yea, the labor and a heavy laden lean upon your dear Lord's breast. Ye that labor and are heavy laden, come and I will give you rest. Take his yoke, for he is meek and lowly, bear his burden to him turn. He who calleth is the master holy, he will teach if you will learn. Good morning, church family. A couple announcements before we are dismissed. Uh, Chris, great lesson, brother. Appreciate you. Next quarter starts the new uh, education uh, starting in September, on uh, the 5th of, sep- of September. Uh, and we still need some teachers for that. Um, we need uh, teachers for two-year-olds through kindergarten for Sunday morning and Wednesday evening. We also need a teacher for Wednesday night for first grade through second grade 
and we also need a teacher for Wednesday night for third and fifth grade. If you can help out with that, please see me or sign up on the bulletin board. Um, all the teacher supplies stuff's here in the teacher resource room, um, but we'd greatly help, uh, appreciate it if you can help out with that. Also, uh, we express our sympathy to Marvin and Judy Jordan, the death of Marvin's cousin, Lee Jordan. So remember to continue to keep the Jordan family in your prayers during this difficult time. Also remember Chris and his family, the passing away of his stepfather that uh, Gary mentioned earlier. So remember to continue to keep that family in your prayers as they travel uh, this week as well. It is good to see Alan with us again this morning. Um, remember to continue to keep him in your prayers. Now, it says here you're going back today. You going back to the hospital today? No, in three weeks. In three weeks. So uh, remember Alan in your prayers as he goes back in three weeks. Uh, remember to continue to keep Carrie Pittman's mother in your prayers, Wanda Allen. Uh, she remains at St. Mary's. Uh, she is off the vent and improving, but remember to continue that she uh, has a quick recovery. Uh, remember to continue to keep Kelly Williams in your prayers as well as uh, she has doctor's appointments. Uh, remember to continue to keep that family in your prayers at this time. Remember to continue to keep Marvin McAllister's sister uh, in your prayers as she continues to fight COVID. Uh, she is improving, but just remember to continue to keep her in your prayers. And also, uh, uh, Sherry Ward's brother, uh, Dr. Stephen Miller, also has been diagnosed with COVID as well. Uh, so remember to keep... Um, Dr. Miller in your prayers at this time as well. Mary um, continue to keep Kristen Ward, Rusty Leap, Hank Picklesheimer, and Randy Ash, and all those who are dealing with cancer at this time and uh, their treatments and all their family members. Uh, that's all the announcements I have. Do not forget to grab a, a Rome journal on your way out. Uh, it has other activities going on at Rome and also others that need our prayer list. Remember, continue to be an encouragement to our widows and our shut-ins. I know they greatly appreciate that, and we'll see you again this evening at 6 o'clock. Thank you. Let's all please, once, please stand once more, and we'll sing hymn number 184, God is the Fountain Whence. God is the Fountain Whence. <clears throat> After this hymn, Brother Hunter, <clears throat> Brother Hunter Thompson will have our closing prayer. God is the fountain west, ten thousand blessings flow to him, my heart, my path, and friends, and every good I owe. The comfort he affords are me.
Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for another Lord's Day that you blessed us with, the opportunity for everyone to gather here and to bring praise and worship to you, to learn more about your word. I pray that you be with uh, everyone mentioned this morning, the sick. Put your hand over them, be with them, comfort them. Um, be with everybody serving overseas, uh, as well as those here in our community who are serving, all of the uh, police officers, firefighters, everybody who go out on the daily and risk their lives to keep everyone else safe. Be with them, comfort them, protect them as well. Be with everyone as they leave here. Keep us safe as we leave and as we come back. In your son's name we pray. Amen.